0: I'm still trying to get the image of a sea of armpits in my face out of my, that's like gonna haunt me tonight. That's just disgusting. But I never thought about it. You would really be in that position, running Bloomsday. I ran Bloomsday this morning, my best time ever. Zero. I actually have done it a few times. It's pretty much running with a herd of people. So thank you for being here, glad you're here today. Uh, We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 16. If you got your Bible, I always encourage you to bring that if you don't have a Bible. We say it all the time, they're on the wall, if you don't have a Bible home, we want you to take that, it's our gift. Take it home, it's for you. Uh, we'll be in Matthew 16 in just a bit. i got a bit of news, you guys are excited. You know the Asian girl that usually stands here and sings, and she's like this? <laughs> Tiffany had the baby this morning. So, uh. Jonathan Joseph Bade was born at 8.04, I guess, so that's pretty stinking cool, I just, uh, I don't know if I was supposed to announce that, but I did, too late, ha! <laughs> But I'm excited about it, it's good. Anybody here ever wrestle with trying to figure out what God wants? Anybody, just a couple of you. What's the will of God? It's one of those questions that as a Christ follower, uh, I struggle with on a regular basis. And sometimes I feel like God's playing, remember that old game, Battleship? It's like been around since I was a kid. I think it's making a return. You guys ever, Battleship? Yeah, it's kinda cool. In fact, I got a picture of it. It's uh, this, you know, where you put the thing in and there's somebody on the other side and they call out a number and, and you hear this. Miss, <laughs> you know, hit, miss, miss, and usually about the ninth miss, it's quit, for me I just give up. But I, I, sometimes I feel like that's the way it is with God, and I think that some of you can relate. You struggle with this, I'm trying to figure out what you want me to do, God. I'm just throwing things out there, and it feels like I'm missing far more than I'm hitting. I've had a lot of people over the years come to me and say they're struggling to figure out God's will for the light, their life. Uh, should I take that job? Should I buy that house? Uh, Does God want me to marry Harry? Uh, Should I get a cat or a dog? That's an easy one, dog. (laughs) But uh, we all struggle, and just about anybody who knows and loves God wants to do the right thing. We want to know the will of God so that we can follow his path. If you know him, there's something in you that says, God, I just wanna know what you want me to do. Now, if you're not a Christ follower yet, uh, you're you're a little off the hook. You may not care, you may not need to care, I'm gonna worry about what God wants for you, but I will tell you this, that when you fall in love with Jesus, like the overwhelming majority of us in this room have, when you fall in love with somebody, you want to do what pleases them. Uh, I won't pick on her, but Ashley got engaged, and she's over here usually somewhere, and, uh, and uh, she's got a new beau, and they're getting married September 3rd, and Scott's awesome, he's wonderful, and I can guarantee you, Ashley thinks about him all the time, all the time. She's thinking about him before I even mentioned him this morning. She's, she's anyhow. There's a part of her that wants to please him, wants to find, what does Scott want? What does he, I just want to make him happy. Well, guys, gals, that's normal. In our relationships, human relationships, it's absolutely normal. And, you know, there is a point probably in your marriage, you think, I really don't care what he wants, but that's not a good place. You want to be in a place where you say, God, show me how I can be uh, the kind of person that you want me to be. And in our relationship with him, that's absolutely true. The problem is there's a lot of confusion about how to know the will of God and how uh, to understand what he wants and a lot of frustration in the process of discovery. And so we're starting a new series this morning like uh, Teresa mentioned and it's called Dumb Things That Smart People Believe and here's the dumb thing today. Here's the, here it is, God helps those who help themselves because his will is too hard to discover. That's the dumb thing, God helps those who help themselves because his will is just too dang hard to discover. In other words, knowing God's will is really tough so I'll just take matters into my own hands and do whatever I want, I'll do something and it's often birthed out of this false belief that God's playing hide-and-seek, another game. Playing hide-and-seek with us, that his will is some deep mystery. God bless you. Uh, my grandkids, uh, they love to play uh, hide-and-seek. And uh, I will walk into a room and, and say, where's Abigail? Shh, she's hiding. Now the funny thing is, she's usually hiding in plain sight. She's like two, and hasn't figured out yet that the whole point of hide-and-seek is you hide. But I think sometimes we feel like that way. I don't know when it happens in our life, but at some point we get to this place in our you know, life where plain hide and is not fun anymore, especially if we think God is hiding from us. And what complicates things for us is that we often think that you know, discovering God's will is, is challenging, or we fall into some um, things that we think, well, maybe this is the path. For instance, some of you look for a feeling you believe that to find the will of God really base, is based on feelings. Look, I've got goosebumps, it must be God. It just feels right, I'm sure it's what the Lord wants. The problem with that is that feelings are often unreliable. It's Jeremiah 17:9, The heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah said, man, our hearts are not really that trustworthy. Now, once we get saved and we're sanctified, we're, we're being developed into Christ followers and God's changing us, our hearts become more like him. That's the process but we still wrestle with this tendency to be human. And the point is that feelings are fickle, and we shouldn't be led by our emotions. I would strongly discourage you from being led by your emotions. Maybe you've noticed that we can talk ourselves into just about anything based on the way we feel. I could tell you literally dozens and hundreds, probably, of stories of where I've talked myself and then tried to talk my wife into something based on feelings. It just seems like a great idea, doesn't it? Usually she's going, no. But we can talk ourselves into things if we try. Many years ago, I had a couple come to me. In fact, it was when I was at Life Center. This was a long time ago. And uh, they were convinced uh, that God wanted them to marry each other. Here's the problem. They were already married to other people. So uh, the guy says, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm gonna leave my wife and I wanna marry her. And she says, I'm gonna leave my husband and marry him. And here's what they said. Uh, it's almost a direct quote. It just feels right. It just feels like God. And I told them, uh, no, let me, Take you to 1 Corinthians 7, where Bible makes it very clear that's not God, it's not his will, it's not his plan, and yet they refuse to budge, why? Because they felt their feelings were trustworthy. Feelings matter, I'm not saying feelings have no value, they do matter. What I'm saying though is they're not a good foundation for any life-altering choices or decisions. Do you hear what I'm saying? Of course your feelings matter, I'm not saying ignore feelings and and, and shove feelings away, I'm just saying, boy, there better be a lot of other confirmation, other things, because, feelings are not a good foundation for any life-altering choices or decisions. Some of us look for feelings. Some look for supernatural signs. We want the heavens to part or some, you know, special message from God and a fortune cookie. We want something. Some, look at this, it's a, look at this, it's, this is God speaking to me. We want something that just, poof, pops into our, our world. Now, can God use a sign to speak to us? Yeah, of course He can. However, And here's my point. Far often, far more often, we already have direction from God, but because it's not enough, we demand something spectacular. In fact, some of us, we refuse to move unless something really mystical happens. Now, again, I've acknowledged that signs can be a sign. God can't work through them. But let's look at Matthew 16. Had you turned there Matthew 16, 1 through 4. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, those are the religious guys of the day, came to Jesus and tested him, they did not like Jesus, they were always testing him, and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. So Jesus had taught them, he had healed plenty of people, he'd done all sorts of miracles, and they're saying, show us a sign from heaven. Jesus replied, well when evening comes, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky's red, and in the morning today will be stormy for the sky's red and overcast. Jesus says, you guys know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked, here it is, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went, again, went away. So, see you guys, I'm out of here. Jesus said, you guys can't see what, or more importantly, who is standing right in front of you. You don't get it. And so you demand a sign to believe, but that's wrong. That's dead wrong. Again, God can use signs, but more often than not, we already have direction from him. And we're, we're demanding something because we refuse to see what's right in front of us. Some look to feelings and emotions, some look to signs from God. Others look for a formula, and this would be me. I, am, I was talking with a couple of people this morning, I'm a little OCD and I like to have everything organized. It bothered me that the kids table out there, that all the tickets for the talent show were crooked. It's like, yes, yeah, it's not right. And then Rachel told me, I did that on purpose. What's wrong with people? You don't do that, it's gotta be straight and even, and I'm just, I am, I'm OCD I guess. But some of us want formulas. We demand to have a simple step-by-step process. We know what happens when we leave baking soda out of the mix, out of the recipe. It tastes terrible. And so some of us refuse to move until we see or understand the formula. Everything's gotta be clear and perfectly understood. Here's the problem with that. If and when we demand to know everything, to have it all figured out, to see the beginning to the end, then where's faith in that? Where's a lifestyle of trust in God being demonstrated? See, I have the sneaky suspicion. God does wanna give you direction, but he's gonna give it to you more often than not one step at a time. Because he wants you to say, take this step and then I'll show you the next step. Take that step and then I'll show you the next step. But some of us, guilty. We demand to know it all. I wanna see exactly where this is gonna end up, God, and I wanna have it all figured out. And God just smiles and says, well, good luck with that. Because that's not the way I teach you to trust in me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably one of the most well-known passages in the Old Testament. Here's the BPV version, you know what that is? Boobna paraphrase version. It's not for sale yet. Trust in God with every ounce of your being. Stop trying to figure everything out. Put the Father first in your life and he will get you precisely where you need to be. Actually, it's not a bad translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and God will direct your steps. He'll get you right where you need to be. We want a formula. God wants trust. He wants us to trust in him. Okay, Bubna, you said it's dumb to think that it's hard to discover God's will but it just, Sounds like you made it really hard. I can't trust or on feelings. I shouldn't always look for signs and it's definitely not gonna be a formula. If That sounds pretty hard to me. Well, I'm gonna show you. Take the next uh, 10, 15 minutes I'm going to show you some ways that you can discover the will of God. It's not a formula, but these are things that are very important for you to understand and remember. And I, I, In fact, I promise you this. If you get these three things, it will help you immensely because I've been practicing these things for decades. Someone taught me this as a young man and I want you to learn this today. How do we get there? What can we learn? What do we need to understand? First, humble yourself and ask God for wisdom and direction. Humble yourself and ask God. That seems like a duh, but this is where most of us go sideways. We don't stop and say, God, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm asking you for wisdom and direction. Did you know that what God wants most with you is a relationship? Did you know that? Way more than the stuff he has planned for you to do, and he does have things planned for you to do, God wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to talk with him. He wants to share life with you. He wants you to lean on him and to listen to him every moment of every day. Now, if that sounds a little radical, good, you got it, it is. That's God's plan, though. Every moment of every day, if, if we, can you imagine how different our lives would be? And this would be me as well. If every moment of every day, I just lived in that place where I'm leaning and listening and everything about my life is focused and centered on him. Why does God want us to live that way? Well, because he knows our limitations. He knows that we can't do what he wants us to do or become the the people, the person that he wants us to become without him. God knows, he knows our flesh, he knows you better than you know yourself and he knows that there's no prayer, there's no hope of you ever getting there where you wanna be, where he wants you to be, becoming the person he wants you to become without him. And so he develops this relationship with us because he wants us to lean into him and to listen to him, and to walk with him, and to have this connection with him. So the path to discovering the will of God in your life is a path of relationship, and in fact, in the context and safety of that relationship, God wants you to ask for wisdom and guidance. James 1:5. if any of you lacks wisdom, hello, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that last part of that. Who gives generously, God's not stingy with his wisdom. He gives it to all, every one of us who ask, without finding fault, he's not saying, I'd love to give you help, but you're a real idiot. You know, I'd love to help you out, but how many times am I gonna have to tell you that that's not God, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But what's our part? We have to ask, humble admission that we have need, that we don't have all the answers, that we might be clueless and lost. Many years ago, in fact, my kids were little, we took a trip to Yellowstone with the, with the Chitlins, and we got in the, in the car and drove, and uh, I don't know, somewhere along the way, I, I got lost. I was shocked, but uh, I'm really not good at directions. I can get you in the mall just about anywhere, but don't take me outside and expect me to find my way home, and uh, I got lost. I made a wrong turn somewhere, and we're driving, and my wife says, honey, I think this is the wrong road. Oh, woman, be quiet. You know, honey, I'm pretty sure, another half hour, I'm pretty sure we're lost, hush! You know, I'm I'm almost certain that we're going the wrong way, we should have been, would you just, why don't you stop and ask for directions? I don't need to stop, I am man. (laughs) I was stubborn, and I was stupid, and I was foolish, and I should have asked, and it would have saved us about three hours in that day if I had. And my kids in the backseat complaining, and they're with their mother, so that's now everybody against me, that's not a fun place to be. If I had just stopped, and ask for directions. Listen, if you are lost, if you are clueless, if you're wandering around in circles in life and you're thinking right now, I really don't have any idea what God wants me to do, here's where you begin, stop. Stop and ask for guidance because God wants to help you. Don't ask your manicurist, don't ask your bartender, don't even ask your pastor first. Ask God, start with the right person. James 1, 5, you should ask God. Okay, so I ask God, how does God begin to reveal his plans to us? Well, I'll give you a few things for consideration. God uses his Holy Spirit. I love the song we sang this morning, Holy Spirit, come. God uses his Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we become temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And here's a promise Jesus gave in John 16, verse 13 to 15. He said, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will come and listen and guide you in all truth. He will not speak of his own words to you. He will speak what he hears. Revealing to you the things to come and bringing glory to me. The Holy Spirit has unlimited access to me, to all I possess and know, just as I have everything in the Father. And that is the reason I am confident of this, that he will care for my own, for my own, for you, and reveal the path to you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to get you where you need to be. He's going to reveal the path to you. So God uses the Holy Spirit God uses sometimes others. I mentioned don't go to your pastor first, but such, often he does use people, people such as godly leaders, or pastors, or mentors in your life. Hebrews 13, 17, you can check that out on your own. God can use other people to speak to us. And God may even use circumstances to lead and direct us. That's entirely possible. Often we're, you know, going down our path and, and God, because he loves us, you know, the Bible says that he disciplines us and sometimes that discipline is he allows hard things to come under our life to help direct us back to him. Now, too often, though, we interpret negative circumstances as a negative sign from God. This must be easy. It, it, it should be easy. It can't be God. And by the way, Therese is gonna address that in a couple of weeks, that very false belief that if it's hard, it can't be God. No, that's not necessarily true. But the big idea here is what I need you to know is that God wants you to ask for direction. He wants you to ask for guidance and here's the promise that we can rest in. It's found in Psalm 25 nine, love this. God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Humble. God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So when we ask God, God can use the Holy Spirit, he can use others, he may even use circumstances. But one of the most often missed ways that God directs us is the second thing I wanna land on today, is that God's will is revealed in his word. God's will for you and me is revealed in his word. In many ways, in thousands of ways, God has already revealed to us in the Bible what he wants for us to do, the life he wants us to live. He made, He's made it very clear. God's committed, he really is. He's committed to leading and guiding us along our journey. And he wants you to know his plans for you more than you want to know. And so he has given us a lifetime of direction in the Word of God. A lifetime of direction in the Bible. Psalm 119, 105. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word illuminates the, the way I'm, I'm supposed to go. And one of my big concerns as a pastor who loves dearly the church and loves this church is that We have forgotten the godly habit of really investing in the word, of letting the word become a part of our lives. And I'm not thinking of any of you, I'm not looking at you, I'm just gonna see the lights right now. But some of us, I have to wonder, do you pick up the Bible besides Sunday to bring it to church? Do you spend time, invest time in reading, studying, meditating on the word of God? I have a friend who came to me some time ago and he said, you know, I don't know too, my wife, she's driving me crazy, and he didn't mean it in a good way. And I smiled, and I said, I know, man, you might not wanna hear this, but what does the Bible say? Have you looked to the word for any direction? And here's his immediate reply was, man, Boopman, I don't need any biblical, practical Bible quotes. I, just, I need to figure out what to do here. And I said, oh, you mean biblical, practical quotes like Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. You must love them as Christ loved the church, and he gave his life for it. Pretty practical, the Bible says guys die. Or maybe even practical like Galatians 5.13. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Pretty practical. Or maybe if she's been mean and acting spiteful and cruel, which was his complaint, maybe practical like this, what Jesus said in Luke 6.28. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. You see, I challenged him to use what the Bible has already provided in terms of guidance in the way we're to live with people who are around us. You see, here's the way it works. We're to dig a well in the word of God. Many, 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 many years ago, I was in Florida and a guy, John Paul Jackson, spoke prophetically into my life and he said, Kurt, God wants you to stop digging potholes and to start digging a well in his word. Big difference between a pothole and a well. And I got it, I knew exactly what he meant. And I wanna challenge you, read the word, study the word. Get a study Bible. Meditate on it. Meditation is not a New Age thing. The Christ followers have been doing it long before New Agers ever came into place. Meditate, let the word just soak inside of your soul. Think about it, tear it apart, read it. A passage from 10, 15 different versions of the Bible. And the promise is that his word will then light, illuminate your path. You'll know what you need to know just when you know it. I promise you, God's word will give you direction. Let me say it again, we have plenty of things to do and a way clearly for us to live and it's in the Bible. As we follow God's revealed plan in his word, we'll know and experience his leading in our lives because the word gives us the picture that God has for us. A Long time ago, um, I've got four kids and my oldest son, uh, when he was uh, eight, nine, 10 years old, loved jigsaw puzzles. So it was easy, you know, birthday, Christmas, just buy him a jigsaw puzzle, that's cheap, that's easy. I remember I came home from a day. I was working in the banking at that time, and I came home and I walked in the house and Hey, kids, daddy's home! And my son's got a big pile. Like to look like this, big pile of you know jigsaw piece puzzles on the floor. And I thought, Oh, yeah, he's doing a jigsaw puzzle, no big deal. I figured, you know, I, I'm walking around putting my stuff away and getting out of my, my monkey suit, getting some casual clothes. And I came back through, and he's still, you know, there. And he, I mean, he sounded frustrated. And I walk in the kitchen, say hi to Laura, and do a few things. And I walk back through the living room, and he's still there. And now he's starting to grunt and groan. <sighs> you know, just the sound that kids make or adults make when they're frustrated. And I finally walked over and said, son, what's, what's up? You, is you having a hard time? And I noticed instantly the problem. And he said, dad, I can't figure this out. It's too hard. And I said, Nathan, where's the box top? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess that would help. <laughs> See, here's the deal. Some of you are trying to put the jigsaw puzzle of your life together, and you're not using it the picture that God's given. You're trying to do it without the Word. And the Word of God will give you direction. It'll help you put your life into place. Well, here's the third and final thing I'll address today and it's something that's hard. I'm gonna tell you up front, it's hard. But well, here's the third thing. A sacrifice life is a satisfied life. A sacrifice life is a satisfied life. If you want satisfaction, if you want to know God's direction, His will for your life, I'm gonna make a very bold statement here and I'll stand on it till my last breath. The key to everything is sacrifice and surrender. The key to everything is sacrifice and surrender. Think about it. When you started your life as a Christ follower, what did you have to do? <laughs> sacrifice your way, your, your life, and surrender your life to Him. That's where it begins. If you're investigating Christianity, it's not just saying, hey, God, I think I'll add you to my life and add, you know, I got God in my back pocket. I'm good to go. I got my ticket to heaven. It's all sweet. I'm glad I'm going. No. The the call, the consistent call of Jesus is that we sacrifice and surrender. We take up our cross and we follow him. We lay our lives down and we follow him. Sacrifice and surrender is the key. Romans 12, one and two. Paul said this, brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, in other words, because you get all of the goodness of God, I urge you, couldn't come up with a stronger phrase. I'm begging you, he says, to offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God. Now let me pause there. When Jewish people heard that, they thought of lamb on the altar. <laughs> Throat cut, burnt on the altar. A very vivid picture. I know mean, it's kind of gross for some of us, uh, but it's a picture of, a, a, of someone, who, literally, who's a, 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 an animal that's lost his life. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living, that's the good news, <laughs> living in holy sacrifice to God, a sacred offering that brings him pleasure. Who do we live for? We live for him, to bring him pleasure. That is your reasonable and essential worship. Do not allow this world to mold you into its image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. And here it is, as a result, listen, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete, the Apostle Paul here says to discern, meaning to know the will of God, three things have gotta happen. We must offer our lives as a sacrifice to him. We must not allow ourselves to be molded into the world's way. And instead we must be transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's teaching here in Romans 12. And that's what Jesus taught. This is the pattern of New Testament followership is that we offer our lives as a sacrifice We then refuse to not be molded and transformed, shaped into the image of the culture, the world around us anymore, and instead we allow the Holy Spirit who lives within us to transform us from the inside out to become the men and women that he wants us to be. Paul is saying that you and I must willingly give our lives and all that we are to God. We must make God and his kingdom first and then, then we will know who he is and what he wants. A sacrifice life is a satisfied and a directed life. And it doesn't happen on our terms, why? Because he is Lord and we are not. Because the Father knows best. Because we surrender our lives to follow him. In fact, you will never fully discover God what God wants for you as long as you're doing what only you want. And I know that sounds harsh, but I'm promising you this is a reality. You will never fully discover what God wants for you as long as you're only doing what you want. As long as you're set on your way, you're gonna find it hard to discover God's way. So it starts with humility. We ask God for direction. We say, Lord, show me what it is you want me to do. We move through uh, this process of understanding the the power of God's word. Yeah, he uses other voices and other things, but the word is given to us to know God's way. And then a sacrifice life then is a satisfied life. That's the path to experiencing all God wants for us. One last story, and then we're gonna take communion together and finish with some worship. Young guy named Brad came to me, some time ago, and he was frustrated with his life. He said, I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels and going nowhere and have no direction, no purpose, and he was, he was complaining. And he said to me, I don't get it. I pray all the time and I ask God to show me what he wants to do with my life. Now, he did the right thing, he asked God, that was good. But the reason why I've connected that first thing about asking with this last thing about a sacrifice life is because it takes that a position of sacrifice and surrender to fully hear him. We can ask God, but if we ask God and we're like this, that doesn't work very well. If we ask God and we're going, no, I'm turning my, I'm going my way instead of your way, that doesn't work. And I said to him, I said, Brad, let me ask you a question. And, and I said, I'm, I'm gonna ask this as tenderly as I can, but dude, is there anything in your life that you know right now you're basically rebelling and telling God no, H-E double toothpicks, no. Is there any area in your life where you're just saying, forget it, God? And he put his head down. I said, yeah, there is." And I told him what I'm telling you. Brad, a sacrifice life, a surrender to God is a satisfied life of knowing his will and direction. You want more? You want to see what God has for you? Then you need to say yes to him. And that, that very point where you're saying no is perhaps the most important first step for you. Say yes there. And then the floodgates of God's direction will open to you. Because a rebellious life only leads to despair. But a sacrificed life leads to a satisfied and directed life. True for bread, true for us. Back ahead, so let somebody pray for you. Father, I know that uh, you have a plan for all of us. That I, I live with that conviction. I know that because it's taught, it's profoundly taught in the Word that you have a plan, a direction, a will for each and every one of us. And I also know, Lord, that a lot of us find ourselves in this place of frustration at times, trying to figure out, what do you want? Where do I go? What do I do? And Lord, I I just ask you today, I pray with all of my heart that you would help us leave here with some real practical things that we can put into place, that we would ask, humbly ask, that we would that we would dig a well in your word, Lord, and, and see, search for you in the scriptures. And that we, God, would choose right now to surrender. If there's any point in our life where we're saying no to you, that we would say, God, I surrender. I, I want I a satisfied life, and so I want to live a sacrificed life. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you would, just for a moment. Maybe you're here today, and you have not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And I said earlier that it begins with a choice to surrender. It begins with the point of relationship. We say yes to God. And if you're here today, you know that's what you need to do. And perhaps for the first time in your life, you're ready. You think, you know, not only do I know I need that, but I I want it. I need to say yes to God. I need to surrender my life. I I want him. I need him. The Bible says that when we come to that place and we surrender, we say yes to him. And we say, yes, I will follow you. Yes, I, I give you my life. Yes, I receive what you did for me on the cross. Yes, I receive the grace that you demonstrated by dying for my sins. Yes, I believe that you live and I'm gonna follow you from here into eternity. At that moment, we become children of God. We become his. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and changes us from the inside out. It's not about religion. It really is about relationship. But if you're here today and you're ready to make that choice and you're ready to say yes, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. And I'm going to ask you just to make my words yours. In your own way, to say, yep, God, that's what I want. And God hears this prayer. Listen, Father, forgive me. I have sinned, I have failed, I've gone my way. And I'm ready to say yes to you. I'm ready to surrender to you. I get it. I need a Savior. I need you. And so I ask you to come into my life. And I surrender my life. My past, present, future, it's yours. And from this point forward, from this moment on, I'm yours. I will follow you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for loving me. And right now I dedicate my life to you. Now if that's you, that's what you want, just say, yep, God, that's that's what I long for. And I know you still have, what does this mean? What's it going to look like? Listen, we'll journey with you. But this is your beginning, just in your heart. If the moment you said yes, then you became a part of the family of God, and all of heaven rejoices now. Lord, thank you for those that have made this decision in this room or watching online. Thank you, God, for the many hearts that you've challenged today where we recognize immediately places of rebellion and resistance in our life where we said no to you, and I pray, God, that today we leave here transformed and ready to say yes, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We've got about 10 minutes left or so, and uh, I kept this short today because I want us to take some time to do this. We're going to do communion together, and if you're a guest today, we have open communion. You don't have to be a member to participate. Um, This is for Christ followers. And the way we do it at East Point, we do it this way to really make it not a lot of pressure on anybody. Rather than passing a tray along and making somebody feel awkward, what do I do? Do I take it? I don't know if I do take it or should I take it. And, and we also do it this way during worship because we, uh, we've got tables. There are two up front here, and I think there's five along the back. You'll see the candles. Just go to, go to the light. But we'll find on these tables two different types of trays. There's a sealed cup. You can peel it back, and there's a wafer there. Then there's a double cup, and the wafer's underneath. And on over there against the wall on a stool, there's even gluten-free. We try to make it as easy as possible. But the reason we do it this way during worship is because I think there's something powerful that happens when we step out. When we take the moment to move forward, to go to a table and to take a moment of pause. And I I said this last month, I want to say it again. We do this about once a month. Don't be in a hurry. It's okay if there's a line that forms down the aisle. I don't care. Don't just pop up here, dump it, you know, and, 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 and go. I want you to take a moment and I want you to reflect. And here's what I want you to reflect on today. Jesus sacrificed his life for you. And because of that, you have life, eternal life. And as you step up to take communion this morning, I want you to remember what he did for you. But I also want you to make a choice, even as you take that juice, that grape juice and that little wafer, that little cracker that represents his body broken for you, that grape juice that represents his bloodshed for you, would you take a moment and just say, God, I confess that I, I haven't surrendered whatever it is, this, I haven't surrendered that, I haven't surrendered this to you And right now because I recognize that that's what you did for me. You sacrificed your all for me. I'm I'm making the choice, and I surrender again. Make it a demonstration, a practical way of saying, God, as I remember what you did, I'm making a promise to be that person. we got a couple of songs. Again, there's no rush, but let's walk through this time together. Worship, take communion. I'll come back and finish it up. Why? Why would we want to live that way? Because I can promise you, that's where you'll experience the life God has for you adventure of following him. A lot of things we try to find that satisfy us, or at least we think will satisfy us. My 20s, when I was far from God, I thought partying would be the way, sex, money. I made a lot of money back then. But I discovered something that I hope you've already discovered and many of us have, that a sacrifice life is a satisfied life. That we discover who we're made for, who we are, what God has for us when we really say, okay, God, I'm yours. Your Lord, I'm not. I'm gonna follow you. And that's what I pray for you. That's what I want for you. Because I know from first hand experience, that's where you're gonna experience the life that you want, the life that you've dreamt of. Today, if you begin your life as Christ follower, I encourage you to tell somebody, let them know. You're gonna make their day, their blooms day is gonna be awesome. And we want to walk with you in this journey. And we've got all sorts of things. We've got white envelopes on the tables by the doors. It says for new believers, it's got a Bible, some material starting to walk with Jesus. Pick one of these up. These up on the uh, front, there's a sticker about our next First Steps class. It's the last Sunday of this month. Sign up, go there, take that. And not too long from now, we'll be doing water baptisms in the park, I want you guys to get baptized in water. We wanna walk with you in this journey and you'll find us there every step of the way, encouraging you, sometimes challenging you, but holding you up because we wanna be there for you in this lifelong journey of following Jesus. If you need prayer, prayer time would be down front. So instead of going that way, come this way today. Don't forget back to the table ladies, the uh, birthday bash this coming Saturday, so sign up for that on the table to my right your left, and uh, uh, and we are looking for some champions to give us a hand in Adventureland and to serve. Sacrifice life might be a good place to serve in Adventureland this summer. I love you guys. I'm proud of you. Go live the life. God bless you. Thanks for being here today.